Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Even as a grown adult woman, do you find it super hard to be yourself sometimes? Today, we're going to talk about why that is and what you can begin to do about it. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this podcast, then you'll love my new course coming out on May 1st, The Sticky Habit Method. Our pre-sale is going on right now with some extra special bonuses. Sign up before May 1st to get those bonuses at aboutprogress.com slash method. I'd consider myself a mostly confident woman. I mean, I know who I am. I know what matters to me. I have a strong sense of self. But even then, I can still find it hard to be myself sometimes. This can happen in a lot of contexts. Sometimes being around lots of new people, I find it hard. Or lots of people who I already know, (laughs) I've been around my whole life. That can be difficult too, to be my new authentic self. Whenever it's hard for me to show up, 
I know it in my gut. It just doesn't feel good. Whether this is affecting the way you show up to new friendships or even the most important relationships of your life, like with your spouse or your kids, we all long to be more authentically ourselves with people we care about. To help, I invited Amber Price on the show. Amber is a relationship expert and a researcher. She's currently in the middle of her PhD program in marriage, family, and human development. Right now, she's specifically studying how authenticity and intimacy go hand in hand. And I love her why that she shares on her site. Quote, as you let go of who you think you should be and embrace who you are, you will find more intimacy and connection in your relationships. Unquote. This is what we both want for you. But to get there, you need to first understand what is getting in the way of that authenticity. Today, Amber will teach you the three primary barriers to you showing up like yourself. Knowledge is power, my friends. So this is where we go to the dark side a bit of what's getting in the way. But don't worry, Amber will also leave you with some hope and what you can do to begin to connect better to yourself and as a result, to others in your life. Amber Price, welcome to About Progress. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I am really excited to talk about what we're going to discuss today because it is a problem that is so rampant that I think every single woman, no matter her level of confidence, is still struggling with this to some degree. And it's just how to be yourself. And that can come up in a lot of different ways. Why it's a struggle. Like maybe you're yourself in your most intimate relationships, but you're not outside of them or vice versa. (laughs) Maybe you find that you're most yourself outside of your, your, your nuclear family. And within your family, you struggle to be yourself. We want to feel like ourselves. A grown up word for that is authenticity. And today we're going to discuss how to increase your authenticity by better deepening your connection with yourself and how that extends to your connection with others. And I was just curious though, before we dig in to everything you so thoughtfully prepared, why does this matter to you? I think, I mean, what you said is like, we all want to be ourselves, right? It's no big secret that we, that being authentic is better for us. I think about like Shakespeare said to thine own self, be true. Like Mm. this is centuries old, like that we know authenticity matters. And I think for myself, I found myself a few years back, not really unhappy in my life and not really, I mean, things were fine from an outside perspective, especially things were fine. I, you know, I have a good relationship with my husband. I have good relationship with my kids and things, but things were starting to feel like they were falling a little flat, like Mm. just I could just tell that something was a little bit lacking. I needed to increase the connections that I had in my relationship with my family and with friends and things. And I think I needed to stretch myself a little. I didn't know that that's what it was at the time, probably, but I just needed to stretch myself a little. And so I kind of decided to challenge myself. I had a get out of my comfort zone month Mm. that I actually, I, I called it that. I think that's actually the month I came to your workshop. One of your workshops you did. Oh, fun! That was maybe one of my, like, get out of your comfort zone. And, but by the end of that month, I had applied to go back to graduate school, which I had never seen coming. And it just started me on this path of kind of finding myself a little bit better, understanding myself for the first time in a while, I was starting to feel really more authentic. 
Like mm-hmm. I was living my authentic life and it's just so satisfying. And so I think I just really want to help other women find that because it feels so right. I have to say though, it's not easy. Not, no. not any piece of this has been easy. I feel stretched every single day. And yet because it's authentic, it feels right. And it feels mm-hmm. good. I usually call that the good kind of hard. Yeah. You know, and you said discomfort several times. I feel like there's a good kind of discomfort zone for us to lean into that stretches ourselves, but in ways where we are uncovering and discovering who we are. And once we have those, I mean, you just talked about, it feels like you're more fulfilled, right? And absolutely. And anything else you can add, like, what are the benefits of, of feeling like your authentic self? I think, and I, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this throughout this podcast, but I think one of the biggest things is that you stop hiding who you are from other people. You know, if you're not being authentic, it's usually because you feel like you're not measuring up to what you think you quote unquote should be. And so you kind of hide who you are and then you can't connect as easily with people. You know, if you think about people who you probably know people in your life who you feel like aren't showing you their full, real authentic self. And it's a lot harder to form a connection with those people because you're not really seeing who they are, but somebody who's willing to show you who they are, even the stuff that's not pretty, you know, the Mm. things they struggle with, that's when you form a connection with somebody. So to me, that's the, the best part of authenticity. It's just the relationships and connection that you can form as you are more authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're more full of yourself, you have more to give from, and it feels different too. I feel like you have like a different capacity to give. Absolutely. When, when you are more full yourself. Well, and you're choosing it for yourself more. You're not doing it because you should, or because you're supposed to, but you're choosing that you want to give or share or connect. Yeah. There's a collective of women who are discovering this, this fact of what a gift it is to be your authentic self. So let's talk about what is in the way. And this is actually going to be the bulk of our, of our discussion today is why is this happening? And like I said, early on in our interview is it's so rampant. And yet it's also so confusing because it's different for each person, why this is happening. And you're going to break this down for us in ways I think are going to open women's eyes, but also revolutionize how they are going to see their potential to get past these barriers. So let's start by, by hearing what you think the first way that women commonly do this. Yeah. Like you said, I think we all know we should be breaking down whatever it is that's keeping us from being authentic, but we don't always see it. And I think one of the biggest ways we do that is sort of this idea of idealized standards that we're trying to live up to the Mm. technical term from a research end is externalized self-perception. And I think of that as like, I'm letting other people decide who I am. I'm, you know, letting other people tell me if I'm worthy or valuable or what I should act like, or who I should be. That's absolutely rampant. Like you were saying, we just, we have so much information coming at us every single day that tells us what we quote unquote should be doing or what we again, quote unquote, supposed to be like, you know, with, we could list a million social media, your friends or your family or your parents or whoever that's telling you, oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. I think beyond that though, a lot of times it's not even people explicitly telling us that it's that we think people think we should be acting that way. I just, I'd never heard that term externalized self-perception. So you're saying we, we can often think up what we think people want us to do. And that becomes a way we view ourselves. And then you were saying, then we're trying to uphold it. Yeah. We're trying to live up to these standards that we think other people have for us. Like, Oh, you know, I mean, I think 
the example of what makes a good mom is a, is a really concrete and good example. Think of, I mean, how many things could you list that, that moms think they need to be doing in order to be a good mom? You know, if my house isn't clean, I'm not a good mom. If I haven't cooked a healthy meal, three meals a day, a hot breakfast, or, you know, put a cute little note in my kid's lunchbox or was there to give them a big hug when they came home from school, or I, I didn't know how to do the fourth grade math assignment, or, I mean, honestly, the list could go on and on and on and Mm -hmm. on. And we get it in our minds that that's what it means to be a good mom. And we try to live up to all of those standards and it's completely impossible. No mom can do that. And I think in reality, other moms, we don't judge each other on those terms that we think we do. You know, if I tell you right now about 10 feet away from me is a pile of laundry that needs to be folded and put away. You're not thinking, oh my word, you're such a bad mom because you haven't done that. And yet in our minds, we tell ourselves that, right? Oh, I should have had that taken care of. I should be more on top of things. And that just brings us down. Yeah. Yeah. I I see that even, you know, in the, in, in the most advanced levels of authenticity that those shoulds creep in so Mm -hmm. easily. And I'm just, you know, realizing ideals are endless. Yeah. That's the biggest problem with them is they are so, and they will never go away and they will never, we will never get to the point where we are enough to meet them. Yeah. If you're pleasing one person, you're not pleasing the next person. If, if you're trying to live up to somebody else's ideals or standards. Oh yes. And it's hard not to do it. I find myself doing it in the last couple of weeks. I've been just a little more stressed and frazzled and things. And when I stop and pay attention to it, I'm like, Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm putting these standards for myself that are unrealistic. And I know that. And yet I slip into it easily. And I have to catch myself and say, what are you doing? You know, what is it that, why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Is that really how you want to be living? Is that, you know, is that really what matters? If you're not living up to what you think other people's ideals are, then you don't want to let other people know you or see okay. you, right? If mm-hmm. they can really see who I was, they wouldn't like me. I'm falling short of what I think they want me to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to just kind of wall off or drive myself crazy trying to live up to these ideals that nobody can live up to. And like you said, anxiety, depression's really associated with this. It can harm your relationship, your romantic, your sexual relationships. It can harm your friendships, your parenting. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? It's, yeah. it's just harmful to us and it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever less connected to myself and to others than when I was at the height of me hiding behind this shield of perfectionism, Mm -hmm. which was really just a giant shield of shoulds and ideals. And for me, it was easier to be the unapproachable person up on a pedestal and still be the opposite of vulnerable and reachable and connected instead of feeling like I wasn't meeting instead of hiding away from the shoulds and, and balking, balking from them. Mm-hmm. And that to me was a lesser thing. I wanted to be removed from people because I was not doing well enough. So I can see how that goes across. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could go both ways. ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's okay. True. So this one's fascinating. So trying to live up to impossible standards, what's another way that we do this? So comparison, comparison is one that's pretty familiar, like no need to define that word. I'd like to kind of think of like what we just talked about, the kind of the externalized self-perception. Mm-hmm. We're kind of, it's kind of a form of comparison because we're comparing ourselves against these idealized standards. 
but comparison itself is really looking at other people and directly comparing ourselves with them. Mm-hmm. And we all know we do this, but the research shows that we do this almost constantly. And we don't necessarily realize that like every time you're looking around at other people, you're probably comparing in your mind. And again, it's super harmful. It's not, it's not beneficial in most ways. And is that like scientific? Like, do we just do that as humans? Like we're just trying to scan where our place is and where we are in a proverbial lineup. Yeah. And I think at some level, it is important to note, like some comparison is normal and natural. I think, you know, if you think about a kid, especially trying to learn who they are or a teenager, you know, Mm -hmm. as we're kind of forming our identity, of course, you're going to do some comparison and that's how you learn what you're like, because other people are not like that. You know, I, I talk about, I love to bake cookies are my favorite thing to bake. And I can learn from paying attention to other people that not everyone is a baker. I'm a baker. Many of my neighbors don't bake cookies on the regular. So a little bit in that comparison way, I can learn that I am a baker. On the other hand, I can look at the art that I try to, I don't try to do art because I've learned, (laughs) but if I tried to do art, I am not good at it. And I can learn through comparison with others that this isn't my strength and that's okay. You know, so in some ways we do learn through comparison, but I think in this world where there's so much information coming at us, and if we're trying again to compare with all of those different things that are coming at us, oh man, we're going to fall short in so many ways. If, if that's what our sense of self is founded on, you know, how do I measure up to other people? I feel like this comparison is so faulty because it's like you are simultaneously comparing yourself to see if you belong, Mm -hmm. if you're good enough to belong, but also trying to compare yourself to see if you can be on that kind of pedestal I was talking about too, you know, and and, and other ways. So in either way, you're just constantly, you know, getting like ping ponged around in your own brain about where you stand instead of standing in yourself. Yeah. And, and there are two types of comparison. I think you just kind of mentioned, you know, there's upward comparison where you're like, Oh, I am not measuring up to other people's standards. She's such a better mom than I am, or she looks so much better than I do, or, you know, whatever it is, a whole long list of things that we think we're falling short on. And then on the flip side, there's downward comparison where we look down on people and think, Oh, I'm totally doing life better than she is. Or, you know, I would never treat my kid that way or, you know, whatever it is, neither of those things is helpful, but, and we do both. And it's the opposite of authenticity really mm-hmm. is what the heart of the, this problem is. It's, it's, it's just like we said, the ping pong, like you'll, you're never mm-hmm. going to feel like you belong. Yeah. And because again, cause you're constantly looking to other people to tell you whether you're, whether you're worthy or whether you matter, mm-hmm. are you measuring up and things? So again, you know, if you're not, then, oh boy, I better hide who I am or Or like you were saying, you know, you're going to put yourself on that pedestal and think you're above other people. And again, that's going to harm your connections and things with them. And the fall from that is pretty far. Yeah. It's it's pretty hard (laughs) when you fall off that pedestal too. Do you have an example of this? What this has looked like for you? Yeah. I, I love to share this example because I think it's so silly and it drives me absolutely crazy that I do it, but I have absolutely done this recently. I'm in school right now. I'm in graduate school. And so the way that school is now, this is not how it was 20 years ago when I was originally in school, but you can log in to all of your classes and you can see your grades. But the thing is you can see how you compare to other people. So if I were to get say a 92 on a, on an assignment, you might think, oh, that's a really good score. And I might think that too, unless I log in 
to the computer and I see, oh my word, that was the lowest score in the class. Mm. You know, everyone else got 93s and 95s and 97s. And now all of a sudden I feel bad about the score that I got. That was perfectly good. If I wasn't actually comparing with other people, it's so hard to resist. Like, but I want to see how I measured up. I want to see like, mm. oh, but if that 92 is the high score, now I feel amazing, but it's not helpful. I got the score I got. I learned what I learned. You know, I did what I did, but we just are drawn to that need to compare. Hmm. So I know we're going to talk more about authenticity too, but I just like, then, you know, how do we, how do we do the balanced, good kind of comparison or just natural comparison? What does it look like to be in that space where you can naturally compare yourself, but still feel like you belong to yourself? Is there a balance? There is one form of comparison beyond this that they do that like research shows is a little bit helpful. And that's like when you in your own mind are comparing with somebody who's just a little bit ahead of you in where you want to be. So you're just looking to somebody and saying, oh, I really like how, for example, that mom is parenting her kids. I would like to do a little bit better. And maybe that's just an example of how to do it. So it's not really like pitting yourself against that person. It's more of just having kind of a role model but that could kind of fall under comparison. If it's beyond that, it's probably not doing you a lot of good at this point. And so, so it's more of like a tendency. It's just like a tendency to be aware of because we all do it to some extent, like you said. So, and I like that, that one good kind though, to me is so opposite of jealousy, Mm -hmm. but I really like that. Just being able to appreciate the goodness you see in others, which only happens when you are fully belonging to yourself. Can you fully appreciate the gifts and the strengths that other people have that you want to learn from instead of making them mean something about you, which I really like hearing. Yeah, exactly. And when you're comfortable knowing that you're not perfect yet, it's okay that you're not perfect yet. Authenticity is a lot about recognizing your own weaknesses too, and being fine with that. I have weaknesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I recognize what they are and I want to grow and I want to do better, but that doesn't have to equal perfection. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like seeing yourself with more of a compassionate lens and mm-hmm. allowing, yeah. allowing the process and life to help you gradually refine what you want yeah. to those strengths. Yeah. I love hearing that. Next up, Amber will share the final barrier to you living authentically and what you can begin to do about it. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay. You have a third one for us that I think it might be my favorite one because (laughs) people, I don't think even think about this one. Oh, and it's so pervasive. So the third one would be just the way we view our bodies, body image and things. And I think this one fits 
under both of the other two that we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, we have idealized standards for what our bodies quote unquote should look like. And we also compare our bodies with other people's. And this is so, so prevalent with women. We have this idea that our body equals our worth. And so I've got to look a certain way. And if I don't look like the people that I'm, you know, seeing around me specifically on media and things like that, then I'm falling short. And it just becomes this vicious cycle in our brains that brings us down. I think we all know the danger of this misplacement of identity. I think Mm -hmm. we know it logically, but can you paint a picture of what the research is showing about how this is actually damaging and uh, damaging us as women? And, And it's really pretty disturbing. The, the research specifically around body image, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is so much, this is one of my favorite areas to research. And I say favorite, but also most aggravating because I'm mm. so frustrated that this is what women are faced with and not just women. It's starting to happen more and more for men also, but you know, one research statistic that really stands out to me is that 98% of the models and actresses that we see fall well beyond the underweight category, you know? we're talking eating disorder kind of thing. And yet that's what we see portrayed in front of us. And we think, oh, that's what my body is supposed to look like. I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking, you know, friends is a very popular show. And if you compare your body against the women who are shown on that show, ooh, for a lot of us, you're not measuring up if that's the ideal and boy, that gets in your brain. I, I struggle with it a lot too. It gets in your brain and it just can eat at you. And, you know, I have to often remind myself, oh, when I'm looking at my body, I'm, I'm comparing against something. If I look at my body and I feel like it's falling short, it's usually because I'm comparing against Mm -hmm. somebody else's or, or against an idealized standard. Mm -hmm. And that's not helpful. So what does objectification even mean? I, I, I just want to make sure women understand what this word is. Yeah. So objectification itself is just treating something or someone like an object rather than as a human being. This is more of kind of a classic traditional, the male gaze, men Mm -hmm. treating women like an object. And that is still something that happens a lot. But what's actually more damaging is self-objectification, which is when you start to do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, most of us, I think probably more than 90% of women are doing that. And it's where you start to try to view yourself as an outsider views you. So you're trying to see like, what do I look like when I'm doing this? Or, you know, you're trying to take that external perspective and look at yourself to see what you look like doing it. And that's super harmful. I love to go to Zumba class at the gym. It's my favorite. And I go to the rec center and I love the rec center because you've got all walks of life there. You've got Mm -hmm. every age, you've got different races and different abilities and different weights. And I just love, love, love that part of it. I am not necessarily a dancer. I love to dance, but I'm not like a trained dancer or anything. And so that's why I love Zumba. And I love to just go and dance and have a good time. But I've noticed that there's times where I'll start to kind of slip outside of my own body and start to think about what I look like while I'm dancing Mm -hmm. or watch myself in the mirror. And I almost always mess up when I do that. And I think it's because you just step outside of yourself and you're no longer experiencing your body from within. You're doing that self-objectification thing, watching, trying to see what you look like. And it, it throws you off. I'm, I'm thinking about just how damaging this is because it becomes such an internalized way of viewing ourselves and speaking to ourselves. And just like the media so easily objectifies and sexualizes mm-hmm. women, how we internalize and do that to ourselves. And we're, yeah. we're seeing our value is replaced by our appearance. Yeah. And 
and that's not ever going to get better. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the older we get, I mean, that's just the fact, you know, that's how it's going to be. And I'm, you know, as you're describing that Zumba story, one of the most heartbreaking regrets of my life is that I stopped dancing mm. because of this objectification of myself and how after 14 years of dancing, mm. I could not look at myself in the mirror anymore while I was dancing. It stole not just my joy of dancing, which was such a huge part of my life. It actually stole my abilities by the end of my dancing time. Yeah. I was dancing worse and worse and worse. It was like, I was backsliding, Um, but we're doing that to our lives. We're, We're not able to show up, to be present, to lean into the experiences, the relationships, and even to develop our strengths, because this is a barrier that we're constantly not only putting in front of ourselves, but is being put in front of us by the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've kind of touched on, or at least in my mind, we've touched on the weight aspect of it, but it goes so far beyond weight. It's, Mm. you know, what, what does your skin look like? What does your hair look like? And I mean, we're talking hair all over your body. What do your boobs look like? What do your, even your genitals look like? You know, it's everything. It's your whole body is under scrutiny. It feels like by the people Mm -hmm. around you and and then ultimately by yourself. And it's just so harmful. I feel like if we were to truly pinpoint one of the biggest deterrents to women being themselves and Mm -hmm. by that extension of that changing the world, I think being an influence in the world to Mm -hmm. me, it's this. Yeah, I agree. It really is a huge one. And it's, and it's the one that shows up in the media so often and media is such a big part of our lives now that it's hard to escape. And we thought it was even 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I remember taking that class at, at BYU where you got to see all the ways that they altered ads, mm-hmm. you know, advertisements and how mind blowing that was. And that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And now we have Instagram where we can do it ourselves too. You know, we yep. can put that filter on or only post the pictures that make us look the most flattering or things like that. And then we compare ourselves against everybody else's idealistic version of themselves and things. Mm -hmm. As hard as it is to face these ways that we misplace ourselves, how we lose ourselves. I I think it's so important because knowledge is power. You know, that, that Mm -hmm. is the way that we can actually move on from here. And many women are listening and and they're able to recognize the ways that they do this. And honestly, even, even someone who has been teaching identity and working on her own identity for years, I see myself still doing each of these three things. Yeah. We don't want to leave them in a place where they're like almost depressed. (laughs) So can you give us some hope of, of what this can look like to still kind of have these tendencies and how to still be feeling like you are more of your authentic self and yeah. what that can look like. Yeah. Two things come to mind with that. And the first is simply taking time to stop and notice when you're doing these things, don't beat yourself up for it, but just start to pay attention to it as you do. You know, I said earlier in this, that I noticed it in myself in the last few weeks. And like you said, I've been like immersed in this for years, studying this at school and things. And I still catch myself doing it. It's totally normal. It's something you're always going to fight against and that's okay. But I think the more that you can catch yourself doing it, the less you'll do it and the more confident you start to feel about yourself. And I think kind of, for me, at least breaking it down by those three different categories, and there's others, this isn't like all encompassing, but 
oh, right now I'm comparing or right now mm. I'm, you know, my body image is struggling or things and, and challenging yourself on that. Um, and actually this just popped in my head and I've actually heard you, Monica, talk about it, but, you know, thinking about if you were a child, if, you know, if you're talking to your child self, how would you talk to your child self about your body or about how you're measuring up or things like that? You know, take time to give yourself grace on these things, recognize that you're doing them, but then give yourself grace on it and allow for growth. One of the, one of my favorite parts about self-compassion research that's out there Mm -hmm. is that it's a, it's a almost like a yin yang kind of a situation where you're pressuring yourself to grow, but you're also giving yourself grace. And those two things have to go hand in hand. But second, I love to think about, you know, when the greatest showman came out years ago, that song, this is me. It was so popular and it resonated with so many people, I think, because we all long to feel that way where all of a sudden the bearded lady is like, you know what? I have been doing all of these things that we've mentioned, right? Like hiding who I am because I'm not measuring up to these externalized standards or I don't compare well to others or uh, I mean, body image. Hello. She's got a beard, right? And she throws those things aside and she just declares, this is me. And I love some of the words in it. Like she's bruised and broken and she recognizes that in herself, but she says, it doesn't matter. This is who I am. I'm going to step forward and be who I am and feel okay about that. And sing and dance about it in that case, you know, and bring other people along for the ride. I just love that idea. And I think we can all do a little bit more of that, figure out who you are and how you can be confident in who you are recognizing that you're bruised and broken and it's okay. And this is how we can lean into that good kind of discomfort we talked about. I had Dr. Lexi Kai on the show and her sister Mm. too, Lindsay years ago. And, and one of them recently left last year. And one of the things I love that they say is prove yourself wrong, you know, and it doesn't mean you betray yourself. It's not about self-betrayal and like pushing yourself to the extremes that are not healthy either, but it's challenging yourself to, to practice compassion. Like you said, yeah, on yourself and trying things anyway, or putting yourself out there anyway, or being honest anyway with someone or letting someone in. When we're talking about compassion, I looked at each of those tendencies that you shared. Compassion isn't in any of them. Right. So that's what I love about this is that's probably our number one tool is in, in navigating these tendencies is when they come up is having compassion. And as we insert compassion into these tendencies, I think that's where they lose their control. Yeah. I like that. And when you said, you know, prove yourself wrong, it's, it's really just that internal voice. That's like nagging you in the back of your brain that you need to prove wrong. I think mm-hmm. deep down, maybe, maybe, you know, better, but we get the, that voice in our minds. And, and shoving that out with that compassionate side is much more helpful. One of my weird goals of this podcast is to help women get off the sidelines of their own lives. Yes. And this to me, which I honestly think is the most detrimental and also the most common way that women are still bound by perfectionism is sitting on the sidelines waiting yeah. and everything you shared today helped me recenter on that, that, that mission. And, and that this is what we need to do as women. We need to prove ourselves wrong and those voices wrong inside of ourselves and, and have compassion and, and, and try and just show up and try to belong to ourselves so that we can belong to others. Anything else you would add to that? Yeah. I just, I, I, I wouldn't call that a weird goal that you just said. That's exactly (laughs) my goal too. I just see it. I see so much power and potential in the women around me and I see them not always using it because they don't think they measure up. I, I sat in a group of women recently who talked about why they don't always get out of themselves and go, you know, serve their neighbor or whatever. And inadequacy was the 
mm-hmm. thing that like it was the underlying theme in this discussion. And I just thought, oh, these women are so beautiful and capable and strong and wonderful, but they're sitting at home feeling inadequate sometimes and not reaching out to their neighbor or their friend because, oh, I might say the wrong thing or I might do the wrong thing. And it's hard. I, right after that conversation, I found myself like needing to reach out to somebody and thinking it would be easier not to, you know, like it is Mm -hmm. scary. I might say the wrong thing. I might be wrong. But think of the power and potential in the women around us if we all stepped up and and grabbed that this is me and shoved that inadequacy aside and just tried a little harder to to show up in the world and be who we are. I think the world would change. And that's yeah. my biggest mission. Change your I world. I agree. Mine too. Them. We're on the same mission. <laughs> Love it. Are there any resources that you have that would help women get started on this? Yeah, I'm going to put together a worksheet that will be available for about progress listeners. I'll I'll break it down so that you can kind of challenge yourself on each of these three areas and maybe take a little bit of time to consider how you already know you're doing it and maybe pay attention to how you're doing it in the coming weeks. And then maybe find what some of the things that you love about yourself are and and the things that you want to really lean into. And I'll put that on my site. So amberaprice.com slash about progress. And that'll just be available there for a free download. We'll link that too. So Amber, you're, you're remarkable. I I'm so amazed by you. Tell, tell people what you're up to right now. You said you're going to grad school. They'll, they'll hear yeah. me share more in the intro, but tell them what you're studying and where they can find you and okay. all the good stuff. Yeah. I went back to get my, so I'm a, since everyone can't see me, I'm a almost 43 year old mom of four boys and decided just a handful of years ago to go back to school, which was super scary, but got my master's degree in marriage, family and human development last April. And now I'm working on my PhD in the same field. And specifically, I mean, if it wasn't clear here, but my focus is authenticity and intimacy and how those Mm. two go hand in hand. And, and basically everything we've talked about here is what I'm studying. So I've got a website. It's just amberaprice.com. It's got a lot of articles on it about this and related topics. I'm on Instagram at amber.a.price. And then in May, I'm launching, hopefully, I'm telling myself May, yeah. <laughs> I'm launching uh, a course that'll be called Authentically You. And it will dig mm. deep into these three areas and a couple others that I see that we um, you know, hinder our own authenticity and then just kind of help help you through how to grow out of that and how to be your full self in a better way and to have those connections in your relationships. I love having this preview to your course. So we'll make sure that we lead people to follow you. So that way they can be the first and they'll know when that course is ready to, to be launched. And I'm, I'm so excited for it. And I'm really grateful that you were here today. Thank you. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. I'm going to share the progress pointers from this episode, and this is just the Cliff Notes version of what you heard today. And all the subscribers of my Go-Getter newsletter get these pointers in a graphic form each week. Number one, learning to be authentically yourself is the key to not just how you live your life, but how you connect to others. When you belong to yourself, you can belong to others. Number two, barriers to authenticity include living by shoulds, comparison, both upward and downward, and self-objectification. Number three, these tendencies can be part of your life, but they don't have to be your identity. Start by noticing when they show up and challenging them with self-compassion. And number four, prove that critical internal voice wrong. Dig deeper to listen to the real you. Your do something challenge for this week is to just notice 
when you are getting caught in one of these authenticity blockers. Notice comparison or when you're living by a should or when you're objectifying yourself. When you do that, make sure you DM me, email me, somehow tag me about what you are learning and doing because of the podcast. And that way I'll be able to spotlight you on the show. This week, the progressor spotlight is Shelby. She's on Instagram at these two little hands. She recently shared what she does to help her kids who are struggling with anxiety ahead of time by helping them practice what they can do in the moment. Shelby did this with her daughter who was afraid of waking up in the middle of the night and feeling scared. So this is what they decided to do. Quote, we will get into her bed, close her eyes and turn off her lights, then pretend to wake up and work through the whole situation of where we are and how she can get to us. Unquote. She also shared that that was something she learned with me in the progress program. She was one of my coaching clients and I loved hearing how she applied this idea of practicing ahead of time. Was this episode helpful for you? If so, here are two free and easy ways that you can help the podcast in return. Number one is to share about the show. And remember, if you do that on Instagram stories and you link and tag, you're automatically submitted to our new monthly giveaway. And number two, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those reviews mean so much. So thank you for doing that. I'm so glad you listened. Now go and do something with what you learned today. Next up, Amber will Next up, Amber will share the final barrier to you living authentically and what you can do. <sighs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.